is sort of partly part two of class this morning. So um, it's not dependent on it, but uh, you might get more out of it if, if you were uh, in class. So you're welcome to go back and uh, listen to the, uh, the recording whenever that gets posted. I don't know. Um, but I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and jump in here. I don't know if you'll learn a whole lot <laughs> this morning, uh, but I just discovered this idea, and it's interesting uh, to me. If you want to learn something, come to class. Um, but we tend to assume that Old Testament writers generally had the same Christian theology that we do, except for whereas we look back on the Incarnation they were looking forward towards something like that. Um, And so when we read things like Psalm 17, that the wicked men have their portion in this life, uh, we think in our Western uh, Christianity 2,000 years later, we think of something like the rich man and Lazarus, which I don't think is, is an afterlife lesson by Jesus um, it's more about how we're supposed to treat the poor. But, um, you know, he, I think, envisioned a scene similar to that. Um, and now, the wicked men are getting what they deserved and, and that sort of thing. But that's not necessarily what psalmists were thinking when they, uh, what any of the Old Testament writers were thinking of when they were uh, writing with the Holy Spirit. Um, what we read now in, in Psalms and, and other places, it just wasn't the case that they were thinking about the same thing uh, as far as after death that we do today. Um, early Jews did not think or write or talk about death or after death all that much. Um, you know, which, by the way, this is not going to be a they didn't talk about life after death and so we shouldn't either or, or anything like that. But I think there's going to be some something valuable for us to consider in how the early Jews uh, just thought about this. So as I has, have been studying the Psalms the past uh, several months uh, and consulting Job and, and other books of the Bible, it seems that the word that is translated often as soul really just means life. Um, so, you know, when it says, my soul uh, went down to Sheol, um, uh, it simply means I was close to death, right? Uh, and, and we'll get into some of that here in, in just a second. But the Psalms don't say hell, they say Sheol, uh, the land of the dead, where everybody goes, regardless of if you are good or bad or whatever. That's just That's just how they thought of it. Um, Jews did not think of Sheol very much. They didn't want to think about it. What good comes from thinking about Sheol? Um, in pagan religions, you had Hades, right, which is, was not heaven, was not hell. Um, it was more like nothing. It just wasn't even really worth discussing all that much. A ghost in Hades is really nothing, um, to the Greeks, the man was his body. And what ends up going to Hades is barely a memory, barely a shadow. And it's even more so the case for Old Testament Jewish thought and Sheol. It's even more dim. Uh, it's even less tangible. It's even more in the background for them than Hades was for the Greeks. And so when they, when they say uh, Sheol, 
uh, over and over again in Psalms, the same, it's really synonymous with how like a staunch atheist today would just talk about death, the pit, the grave. It's, it's over and nothing happens after that. So I want to read uh, something from Job and then just read through a few Psalms and uh, uh, you, can, you can check me here. Job 7, remember that my life is a breath. My eye will never again see good. The eye of him who sees me will behold me no more. While your eyes are on me, I shall be gone. As the cloud fades and vanishes, so he who goes down to Sheol does not come up. He returns no more to his house, nor does his place know him anymore. Okay, again, I'm not saying we adopt this kind of thinking, but I think there's some value in seeing where they were coming from. Uh, Psalm 89, remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created all mortals who can live and never see death. Who can escape the power of Sheol? O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as mere breath. Um, in uh, Ecclesiastes, that's the same word for vanity. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity, right? Mist, breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. Uh, For he sees that even the wise die. The fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others Psalm 30, to you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Psalm 6, turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? Uh, Just a couple of more um, Do you work wonders for the dead? Do ghosts rise up and give you thanks? Is your faithful love proclaimed in the grave? Your faithfulness in the underworld? Are your wonders known in the land of darkness? Your righteousness in the land of oblivion? Uh, 146. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Uh, Let's see, just one more here. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers who will never again see light. So, isn't it interesting? I don't know if, if you've come across this before. Um, the, the writers, the, the Jews in the time of the Old Testament, really had no, um, uh, no notion of life after death. And, um, and so sometimes it seems that as if the psalmist is praying for the salvation of his soul. Uh, but again, I think that's because sometimes we're hearing with our Christian-tuned ears. So, for instance, Psalm 30. psalmist says, O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. So unless 
you're under the impression that he actually died and this was the first resurrection of a human person after death. Um, really what he's simply saying is, you saved my life. I was close to death. You kept me alive. Okay, So why, when, how mainstream Judaism uh, changed by the time of Jesus and the Pharisees, uh, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll study it and, and uh, bring some findings into class or something one day. But what is extremely interesting to me is the apparent absence of a belief in an ongoing life after death in an otherwise extremely rich and deep and complex religion. Um, I think it's interesting that God would spend so much time uh, talking about the details. I mean, how long the tassels were going to be on the curtains of certain you know, things in the tabernacle and things like that. And couldn't spend maybe just one sentence say, by the way, when you die, that's not all that, uh, that's not all that there is. There's more after this, you know? And yet he never did for the Jews. I, I think that's really very fascinating. Um, the Egyptian religion, which the Jews were very well acquainted with, obviously, and maybe too well acquainted, um, was obsessed with life after death. Um, it seems the whole point of Egyptian life and culture was simply about securing a good and decent eternal uh, destiny. So if, you, if you've been in class the past couple of weeks, you know I've been using C.S. Lewis a lot. And uh, this is something that uh, he brings out regarding this. For the truth seems to me to be that happiness or misery beyond death simply in themselves are not even religious subjects at all. A man who believes in them will, of course, be prudent to seek the one and avoid the other. But that seems to have no more to do with religion than looking after one's health or saving money for old age. The only difference here is that the stakes are much higher. The hopes and anxieties are overwhelming, but they are not more religious. They are hopes for oneself, anxieties for oneself. God is not in the center. He is important only for the sake of something else. Such a belief can exist without a belief in God at all. Buddhists are much concerned with what will happen to them after death, but are not theists. Um, what he's saying, I think, is that it may have actually hindered the Jews for him, for, for God to have brought it up because then they would be focused on the wrong thing. The wrong goal. Uh, God wants to be our sole satisfaction. Um, he wants to be our whole reason uh, for being and doing what we do. He deserves everything from me and of me. Not because of what he can give me, but simply because God is who he is. Right? It's not, it's not about the gifts. It's about God being my gift. Right? Um, when, when I proposed to Taryn, uh, this was, this was, uh, how I did it. It was my grandparents, uh, lake house in, uh, New Braunfels, Texas. And I had my, uh, a lot of my family that lived there go. And while I took her out to dinner, they were lighting candles and, you know, making it look all nice and cool and everything. Um, 
And she said yes, but my, uh, obviously, my, um, my proposal um, was, and I think this is typically how it should go, was simply about how much I love you, right? Um, how infatuated I am with you and who you are, the person that you are. Um, I, I will love you. I will be with you. Uh, forever, as long as I'm alive. Um, how would that have sounded versus, um, if you marry me, I will give you a 3,000 square foot house. Um, top of the line clothes. As many spa visits as you want. Um, you know, the best food at the best restaurants. Um, four vacations a year. You'll never work if you don't want to. Uh, you know, both of those can coexist, right? Uh, you can love someone and want to obviously lavishly uh, give them things, right? Um, but so, whereas both of those, you know, could be true, except except for the three thousand square foot. My house is closer to three hundred than three thousand square feet. But um, but you're starting at a different place if you are proposing <laughs> the second way, right? Um, it doesn't make a very I don't know, good movie, you know. Uh, she's been gone for over a week and a half now. It's actually, I think, the longest that we've been apart. And we celebrated our uh, uh, 10th anniversary last week, um, I, even though we weren't together. <laughs> she's in Texas with the kids. Um, and, and I'm longing for her to get back, right? Um, but how would it sound if I said, man, Taryn, I just can't wait for you to get back, um, I cannot figure out how to work the oven, you know? Um, I, I, I want her back for all sorts of reasons, uh, but primarily it's because I, I miss being with you, you know? I love you. I love who you are. I love who we are together. Um, yes, she brings all sort of benefits to my life, um, but, you know, it's not as if I'm calling her saying, you know, I just can't wait for you to get back so that uh, I don't have to do the laundry anymore. You know, like that's, <laughs> that would be very, uh, very shallow. Uh, how would these psalms sound uh, if they were worded this way? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs after streets of gold. Uh, or uh, Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek to have a mansion on a hill. My soul thirsts for milk and honey. My flesh faints for 70 degree weather, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because eternal wealth is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Does that hit anybody, you know, in, in the fields? Um, I would say it probably would not impress God very much either for us to uh, pray to him or sing to him uh, in that way, right? So I think that a zealous love for God, a bold and deep love for God, naturally will want to last forever, Right to naturally long to love God forever, for eternity. And it's at that point when any notion of 
heaven, hell, makes sense for faith instead of erodes it, right? Um, and, and I don't know what your images are when you think of heaven, hell, uh, you know, whatever, but I'm convinced that if the heart of those definitions are not simply fellowship and deep and perfect communion with God or complete and total separation from God, uh, then you may have bought into something, I don't know, more medieval or, uh, you know, platonic superstition of what heaven and hell uh, is. But C.S. Lewis said that uh, when he first really became to believe in God, that he was able to believe, obey, and, and seek after God for over a year before ever actually believing in any notion of life after death. And he said that for him, the value of that year of, in his faith could, could never be overstated. Um, and perhaps maybe it was the same for the Jews. Maybe that is why God chose not to just throw in, by the way, this is a snippet and eternity goes on after this, right? Um, he, he chose not to do that maybe because um, merely the thirst for God's presence in my life for one single day, for one minute, um, is better than a thousand or a trillion days or, or years anywhere else. Um, so, am I saying, let's all try to not believe in heaven for a while? Uh, that's not what I'm saying you need to do. Uh, I just think that it's amazing that in spite of seemingly no awareness of, uh, or belief in heaven, that the psalmist would have so much reason to be praising and rejoicing in God all the time. Um, how often would we be rejoicing and praising God if it were not for, you know, some belief in, you know, this is not it, right? Um, maybe that's some sort of heart check for us. I, I don't know. Um, but that they would have so much reason and cause to praise and worship with all their heart and soul. That David would strip down and dance before God without abandon, with no belief whatsoever that this life is, you know, uh, simply uh, a gateway to something eternal, right? Uh, without the promise or notion of eternity. Uh, and, and I want that kind of devotion. Um, that simply yearns to be with God for God's self, not because of anything that he can or desires to give to me. And I realize that I need to ask myself that so much more often. Um, do I love God for God? Or do I simply want to use God to get something else? Because if that's my idea of God, then that's not... God, I think, in, in the first place. So, I mean, I, I pray daily uh, that God would increase our love and our devotion simply for him. Um, the, the word worship, I don't know if you know this, comes from the older English word worth-ship. Okay, that's, that's, where, that's where we get the word now for worship. Worth-ship. It's simply affirming and acknowledging the worth of something 
or someone. And so when we worship God, um, I, I sometimes wonder if it might be helpful for us to ban the word worship in our minds for a year or something to see how that might hone, re-hone our definition of what worship really is. It is simply to acknowledge and to affirm God's worth. Um, and he is worth not just Sunday mornings, obviously, uh, but he is worth my entire life, every breath, regardless of what happens to me after I die. And it's not because of what God gives It's because of who God is. Um, So I know this is this was short, and I don't know if you learned anything from it. But uh, you you know, I really just hope that maybe this is, uh, at least for me, this was just kind of a heart check. uh, Like I said, that I would um, always be searching for God seeking for God, reaching after God, not because of what he can do and what he promises and all of that, but simply because of who he is, because that's how he created me to be. Um, so let's, let's uh, go ahead and just have this prayer together. God, I pray that, um, that you would let us starve if we hunger for anything other than your presence in our life. Give us the zeal to taste and to see that you are good and that you are all that is good. That you are satisfaction and everything you designed us to want and to love. Help us to love you more today than we did yesterday. And it's through Christ we pray. Amen. Let's uh, stand and and, uh, continue.